Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Houston, we have a problem. He's got several really good receivers. Uh, you know, two young guys, Braxton Miller and uh, Fuller, are both young guys that are really uh, athletic obviously happens. You know, they're still playing really well. Um, you know, you look at their numbers statistically, you know, against the pass, I think they're, you know, one of the best, if not the best defense right now. Um, you know, they still look pretty good on defense. Welcome to Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Sam Ekstrom with you on a Thursday. We're getting fired up for Vikings Texans Sunday at noon. And to thoroughly preview this one, Robert Land of Locked On Texans. His co-host is Aaron Wilson. Make sure to check out their podcast all week. See what they're talking about behind enemy lines down south in Adrian Peterson's neck of the woods. How's it going this morning? Doing great. Ready for this one. I mean, this is uh, one I think all Texans fans are really looking forward to. Whenever the Texans go against some of the best teams, you know, they, they, they want to see how they're going to do it. You, you know, Texas is about football and <laughs> You know, this is our specialty. So, we, you know, you play against some of the worst teams in the NFL and especially in the AFC South, and beating them is not that interesting. They want to see, hey, if we can get as far as the playoffs, what could happen? Well, congratulations on your fast start. Um, I know a lot of people were on the kind of that Houston bandwagon coming into the season, and correctly so with the decline of Indianapolis and the tough start for Jacksonville and Tennessee being Tennessee. You know, on this show, we have Sage Rosenfels as the co-host, and I know he's near and dear to everyone in, in Houston's heart. Aside from the Rosencopter, what is the legacy of Sage Rosenfels down in Houston? Well, he was a really good backup. I mean, that's the, the main thing that we remember. I mean, we felt comfortable with Sage coming in the game as a backup. I, I guess if there was the one critique with him, and I'm sure Sage would admit to this, you know, the, the turnovers would, would sometimes be a problem. But, you know, he, when he looked good, he could look really good. So, I mean, I, I think as, as far as all-time backups in Texans history, he was good. But, I mean, the starter history with the Texans is not all that great. And everybody is waiting to see, you know, what we're gonna, what we actually got with Brock Osweiler. That, that's the storyline here, as it is, I'm sure, in just about any NFL city that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, or one of those kind of guys. Now, I think the appeal with Osweiler this offseason was – you know, number one, that he was learning underneath Peyton Manning, one of the best to ever do it. He played for a competitive team in some meaningful games last season. He looked pretty good in those games, but to a certain extent, there wasn't a ton known about Osweiler. It seemed like a gamble to give him such a large contract, at least from the outside looking in. It was a gamble, but I, I feel like it was a something worth taking because if you can get a quarterback, the price doesn't matter almost. If you can get a quarterback in the NFL, it's such a huge deal. And, you know, we've had to sit through the last couple of years through 
I don't know, seven or eight starting quarterbacks that have <laughs> been on the field the last couple of years, and it's been Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then last year we called it the combination of, of Hoylet, uh, Hoyer and Mallet, and you just you, you go through all those struggles, and it's something that the Texans have been looking for. Matt Schaub had his moments, but it always felt like his success was more based on what a great job Kubiak did with quarterbacks, and he could make quarterbacks look good, as you've seen in, in Denver, and so I think Brock Osweiler, you know, it's one of those deals where, hey, if, if he works, it's absolutely worth it. If he doesn't, you know, so be it. You, you basically are kind of stuck with him for about two seasons, and then, they, and then cutting him, you're, you're not taking a big hit as far as the salary cap. So, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I don't mind taking the gamble at all. It was a good gamble as far as I was concerned. It's important to have a quarterback. And Mike Zimmer said it yesterday at Winter Park. He said, that's what it's all about. It's the toughest position in football when he was asked about the importance of getting a franchise QB. The Vikings have been seeking it for years and years and decades even. And they thought they had it in Teddy Bridgewater. Then Bridgewater obviously gets hurt and then Sam Bradford becomes the stopgap. But with Osweiler, you know, it, it does make sense to get someone who at least you believe can be that franchise QB. That's why the Vikings weren't content with Sean Hill being their quarterback this year when Bridgewater went down, you know, because you need somebody who can go out and win you games versus just managing them. Now, the the defensive pass rush is something to watch for on both sides in this game. The Vikings rush relentlessly. Prior to their game against the Giants, they led the league in sacks. They didn't sack Manning, but they put a lot of pressure on him. Then on the Houston side, Clowney, Merciless, Watt. Then Watt gets hurt. Can that pass rush keep playing at the same level without him? Well, we saw this past week without Watt, but, you know, it's, it's strange because Watt, the first three games, he, that, it wasn't the J.J. Watt we know. You know, he, he really hadn't come back from that surgery at all, his back surgery. I mean, we're, we're, I, mean I don't know about the Red Houston. I know me personally, and, and I think most people in Houston really are, are concerned about Watt long-term because back injuries – we know or, or no joke, and guys just don't come back from those maybe as the same that they, as they was as they were before. So you know the pass rush as it looks right now, you know with the Titans in the Titans game, it was it was all right, but nothing special, and and that's something we're gonna have to see as, it, as we go forward. I mean, Clowney is a guy with all the world of potential, and you want to see if he can put it together consistently, if he can stay on the field. You know, he's got his own injury history. Merciless has become a, a much better guy over the last year. He was a first-round pick that looked like not a bust, but just n- nothing special his first couple of seasons. And it, it, everything's changed for him in the last year. And he's a, become a, a sack guy, a guy that you can count on for that kind of pressure. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they can do, though, without Watt's presence. Because losing Watt, it's not just that you lose the guy and what he can do, but all the attention that he can draw and one thing about it is, you know, even if he wasn't the same J.J. Watt, people were so scared of him that they would still give him attention. And I, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much attention that was, but I'm sure it's a factor and, and it, it helps guys like Clowney and Merciless. So, you know, I'll be interesting to, interested to see going forward what this defensive line looks like, what the, what the front seven is going to look like as far as a pass rush is concerned. The Vikings have already faced a couple three fours this year with Tennessee and Green Bay. We'll see how they hold up against Houston. The offensive line for the Vikings has been surprisingly good at getting results, at least in pass protection. 
Now, the run game is a different story, but they've kept Sean Hill and Sam Bradford off their backs, which is probably the most important thing. From what I hear, there is some question as to the health of the Houston offensive line as well. Yeah, the, well, the Houston offensive line has, has gone through a lot and <laughs> already this year. Nick Martin was supposed to be their starting center, and he was a guy they drafted in the, in the second round that looked like a, a permanent fix at center and an upgrade over Ben Jones, who they had last year. But he goes out before we play a preseason game. So that, that was a real killer for the Texans. Greg Nance, undrafted free agent, has been the center. And actually, he's been probably the most consistent guy so far. Xavier Suofilo was a guy who they drafted with the first pick in the second round just a couple behind Teddy Bridgewater a couple of years ago. And he just hasn't looked like that kind of guy. And when it's time to for a new contract, I don't know if the Texans even bother with trying to keep him. That's as big a disappointment as he's been. And the talent looks like it's there. You're just not seeing it on the, on the field, I guess, and, and definitely not seeing the improvement that they want to see from him. Mm-hmm. They're getting Dwayne Brown back at left tackle. That's going to be a major deal uh, because Chris Clark was, was okay, but – Dwayne Brown's been a pro bowler before. He's not that guy anymore, but he does provide a, a lot, you know, kind of solidify the line a little bit. Jeff Allen hasn't looked all that good at right guard. Derek Newton, who they gave the seventh-round pick, that, you know, he's been a starter, but they gave him some good money a couple of years ago, but he, he hasn't looked. So there's a lot of question marks all up and down the offensive line. It's, it's kind of a matter of, you know, can you just do enough and, and get out of the way because the skill positions are really where the Texans are great. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Let's talk about those skill positions. Uh, I know that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be target number one for the Vikings to focus on. They've done a great job shutting down number one wide receivers with Kelvin Benjamin, followed by Odell Beckham Jr. in that three-headed monster they have in New York. Hopkins, of course, providing the latest challenge. I'd say Vikings fans are a little bit cocky right now. They feel like nobody can pass on them now that they've shut down Benjamin and Beckham. I'm not so sure. Hopkins is a pretty special talent. DeAndre Hopkins, it's interesting because he's been the number one receiver the last three years, and he's been incredible. But through all ten quarterbacks, all those guys didn't seem to have a problem getting the ball to Hopkins. Osweiler is is not having a whole lot of success. And the problem with Osweiler so far has been the, the interceptions as much as anything. And he's had, I think it's about six now in four games. And the, the, the deal is a lot of those interceptions have been trying to force the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. And Hopkins is a guy that doesn't – he's a guy that will outfight you, but he doesn't get a lot of separation. Meanwhile, Will Fuller has been one of the best rookies in the NFL to this point, the 200-yard games to start the season. Last week, you know, didn't get 100 yards but had a great game and then also had the punt return that was the, the game winner against the Titans. Will Fuller gets open, and Osweiler loves throwing to the guy. So the Patriots played too deep and tried to take Will Fuller out of the game as much as possible. The Texans really did a great job 
as Bill O'Brien took over the play calling, and that was really the story this past week. He took over the play calling for George Gatsby. And, you know, we we saw what the offense that we expected from O'Brien because he came in with all the pedigree and, and, and Belichick's guy, and he was on that staff with the Patriots. And so Bill O'Brien took over, and all of a sudden, something we hadn't seen in a long, long time here since the days of Owen Daniels and his prime, the tight ends were a part of the offense. And Fedorowicz, who was a, a third-round pick that they expected a lot from when they drafted him, and, and Ryan Griffin, both of those guys had really good games. So, you know, look for the middle of the field if, you know, the Vikings try to take Will Fuller out of the game. But the Texans have so many weapons in different areas. It'll be interesting to see. It's just a matter of if they can get the time and with the Vikings pass rush. I think that's the that's what's going to really tell you what's going to happen in this one. Well, that may, might play well with using the tight ends because I feel like when you're facing a big pass rush and you need you need to get the ball out quickly, the tight ends can become your best friend. You know, between the hash marks with some of those quick ten yard routes. So Vikings, I'm sure the Vikings will be watching the tape on on O'Brien and and what kind of game he called against Tennessee. I'm curious what led to the decision to make the switch. Was it the 27 nothing loss against New England? Did that bring things to a head and cause O'Brien to take the reins? I have no idea what's in Bill O'Brien's head, and he does not like to tell us because he's a Belichick disciple. And, you know, he's exactly what you would expect from a Belichick disciple. What I can tell you is it, it, it was night and day, the way the offense looked against the Titans. The, the Texans fans... Um, had to be impressed with what he was able to do. The first three possessions, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. They drove down the, the field with ease against the Titans. And when you look at what O'Brien did, it was things that Texans fans have been wondering where they've been. Uh, where, where are the tight ends? Where is the middle of the field? Uh, the, the running back situation with Lamar Miller, you bring in a guy that really with the Dolphins, you know, he's running outside of the tackles. They're trying to get him in space. That's, his, that's what makes him great is the speed and the breakaway ability. Well, they were just running him up the middle between the tackles. And, you know, the media and the fans are all looking at that going, why do we keep running him up the middle? First of all, our offensive line can get no push. It's not that good. So you got a guy like Lamar Miller, you, a guy that you want to get out in space, you want to get outside the tackles. You know, I asked O'Brien at a press conference. He said they were doing it, you know, after the – Patriots game, but interestingly enough, a few days later, you know, he's the new offensive coordinator, and it looks like a different type of deal. So, you know, I don't know what made him change, but, you know, I know as the fans, you know, certainly, you know, saw what was going on. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here on out. You know, you you took the, maybe you took the Titans by surprise with some of the things that they did. So, all of this, you know, is about adjustments in the NFL, and I'll be interested to see how the Vikings adjust to what the Texans did last week. Yeah, and I'll be honest, the Vikings struggle more with those outside runs. If you run between the tackles on the Vikings, you're just going to run into the mammoth man, Linval Joseph, the nose tackle. And I don't know if you saw much of the Monday night game, but New York tried to establish the run between the tackles early, and... Linval Joseph was was basically bench pressing the offensive line, picking up running backs and body slamming them to the ground. So if they can get Miller to the edge, I think they're going to have a lot more success there. Has Miller been pretty good for you this year so far? He he looks a little tentative and hitting the holes, but last week you saw a little bit more of what you expected. We haven't seen the big breakaway run, which we're still waiting for that one, that one that he takes 60 or 70 yards to the house, which the Texans saw 
up close and personal against them early last season. But, uh, you know, I, I think I, I just have to see more of him to see what he can do. I, I think the talent's there. We saw some of it in the preseason than anything else. And it's just a matter of, you know, he's, he's had to deal with an offensive line that, that's not great, that's not going to get the push. And he needs to have that confidence of where to run. And they, they need to help him out, too. I mean, it's, it's a two-way street with that. But, you know, I, I'm not worried about Lamar Miller as much uh, as far as running backs go because he's much better than anything that we had last year. You know, he's not Arian, as good as Arian Foster was at seeing holes. And Arian Foster's vision, I, I think if that guy had been able to stay healthy throughout his career, we'd be talking about you know, all kinds of records and one of one of the all time greats because, you know, he was this vision was so amazing and, and what he could do and, and you know, how he saw the field and that sort of thing. It's it's one of those things that you just rarely see in the NFL. And just the hamstrings and the soft tissue issues, the groin issues and stuff like that killed him. So last year there was Alfred Blue and Alfred Blue that was the opposite of Arian Foster vision, you know, and he doesn't have the explosiveness of a Lamar Miller. So it's still a work in progress. I'm still interested to see what what can happen there. A lot of Vikings fans are already looking ahead to the bye week and beyond. Sort of looking past this Texans game, I think when you're 4-0, sometimes fans think the team is invincible. And with Houston coming in, there's a great confidence level here in Minneapolis. I'm curious to know how Houston is viewing this game. I don't know if we're ever confident as a Texan fan. You know, it's just, there, there, there hasn't been anything to get you, and I think there's a, there's a little bit of uh, show me something. You know, let's see, you know, let's see us play great against a, a really good team. And it's something the Texans, it seems like they haven't done a ton. I mean, the, the, the Chiefs win to start the season sounds like a win that the Texans fans should be confident and but you know Jamal Charles didn't play. There was no Justin Houston. It wasn't the same team that the, they played in the playoffs the previous season. And the Texans didn't quite dominate. You know the way I think the Texans fans would have wanted them to dominate. So you know it, it's I don't think there's the confidence at all. I mean, the long answer short, no, we don't have any confidence. And I, I think it, it will help if the Texans just play well. If they look like they belong with the Vikings, because I think from afar, we, we see the Vikings as a team that's going to be one of the better teams in the NFC, without question. Interesting. Now, have you attended Adrian Peterson's gym? I have not been to the gym. I know Adrian Peterson, is, 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 there's not good memories necessarily here in Houston as far as with the police. There were some issues back then, but I, I know he still, he still likes hanging around Houston, and uh, a lot of athletes do it. If people don't, aren't familiar that uh, don't live here. It's it's a really great area for athletes. The the cost of living. People like the they like the warm weather. It just seems to be very popular, especially with you see a lot in the, with the NBA players. A lot of better NBA players have made Houston home over the years. Uh, Shaq is is one of those guys. I think he recently sold his house. But you know, it, it's one one of those places that's really pop, popular for pro athletes. I'm, I'm sure Atlanta is on that list. Uh, obviously, LA is you know Southern California, but. Houston, I think, is one of those cities. How are the Rockets going to be this year? There's not a high expectation. A lot of offense, not a lot of defense, sort of the opposite of the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually real interested to see the, the Timberwolves because Thibodeau, a guy who used to be assistant coach under Van Gundy, 
when when, he, when he, Van Gundy was in Houston, you know, we 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 know what Thibodeau can do with, with defense and with a young team like you guys have up there. It it should be really interesting what he can do with those young guys and just a, a, you you have the world in front of you, which I think Rockets fans are are jealous of. Uh, James Harden's a, a great player, but you know, personality and leadership wise, you know, he's going to have to take a major step forward and, and without the talent around him, it's, it's going to be, you know, maybe get into the playoffs and probably losing the first round. I think that, that would be the, the, you know, the high end of the expectation as far as this, this Rockets team. What's funny is, is that if the Timberwolves were able to accomplish that same thing, make the playoffs and lose in the first round, people would build a statue of Tom Thibodeau. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that Houston fans, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're, the championship is, is always, there's not, it's, this isn't a town where, hey, we're excited we made the playoffs. There's, you know, there's a, there was excitement, of course, with the Astros last year because not only did they make the playoffs, but there was all the potential of what they could do. But, you know, typically, uh, when you, when you watch, you know, as a Houston fan, you know, it's, it's these, it's getting to the playoffs and then there's this big, something really disappointing or, you know, this goes back to the Oilers days, really. Something really crazy and bad happens in the playoffs. So, you know, with the Rockets a couple of years ago with Damon Lillard's, you know, miracle buzzer, buzzer beating shot that eliminated them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, it's been one of those things uh, a lot of times with, with Houston fans over the years. So it's the intersection of Locked On Vikings and Locked On Texans with Robert Land on the phone. We've got Locked On Timberwolves here with Alan Horton and Who's the Lockdown Rockets host down there? Uh, it's a good friend of mine. It's funny you should mention that. His name's Ben Dubose. Uh, one of the things that he's done over the years is he, he's written for Clutch Fans, which is the, the biggest Rockets fan site. And it's actually, it might be the biggest fan site in the world because the Rockets have this massive Chinese fan base, you know, which started with Yao Ming. It doesn't help that our colors kind of match up with, with China, but Yao Ming was, you know, really moved the Rockets into China and there's, there's this huge Rockets China fan base, but that, that website goes back to the early days of the Internet, 96, 97, and it's really well done. Uh, a guy named Robert Bowen, a friend of mine, runs that site. Ben, ben has written for them and, and done stuff for all sorts of things around here, and, and he knows his stuff. And, and I also have a little reverence for him because he's a Missouri guy like me. We both went to the Missouri Journalism School and, and we'll tell you, you know, nine, nine days out of nine that it's the best in the country. And so I'm friends with him through that as well. So, yeah, Ben's a good guy, and, and that's, what you, that's what you go for for Locked On Rockets. Great stuff, Robert. Robert Land, Locked On Texans co-host Aaron Wilson. Check them out on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have fun watching the game on Sunday. Should be a good one. Looking forward to it. No, no question about it. It's going to be a real litmus test, I think, for both teams. I would agree. Vikings try to go to 5-0. and Texans try to give them their first loss and move to 4-1. and This has been the crossover episode with Locked On Vikings and Locked On Texans. I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes or Audio Boom. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Thanks for listening. Sage Rosenfels back with us tomorrow.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.